Welcome everyone to episode 161 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin and Liam Tower for a Liverpool edition of Start Bench Self. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So as we've done in the past, we want to do something a little bit different for the international break. And obviously not much happening on the club front at the moment. So what we're going to do today is a very simple game of start, bench, sell. So we're going to pick three players and essentially myself, Chris and Liam are going to have to choose who they'd start, who they bench and who they would sell. And to clarify, just in terms of the criteria, because this question always comes up, we're going to go off the best version of that player at Liverpool, basically. Um, Neither Chris nor Liam have seen the scenarios that I I came up with, so I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. But one thing I I will add is that all of these players are sort of from the last 15 years or so. Um, You know, don't really go back any further than that. Just in the interest of, I've actually seen them with my own eyes and remember (laughs) remember them playing. Um, so yeah, that's essentially the the background to it. So we may as well get straight into it. We're going to kind of go position by position. So we've got centre backs, midfielders, and then we're going to move on to forwards, where I think it's going to be the most um, interesting towards the end. So centre backs first of all. Um, here's the three players, and I'll I'll start with you, Chris. Um, Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, and Sammy Hippier. Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, Sammy Hippier. This is what I meant with put, putting you on the spot. I can, I can already feel it. <laughs> okay. It's interesting because a lot of people listening to this might just be screaming at their phones or at YouTube or whatever, thinking that the start is pretty straightforward here. Hmm. But I'm just thinking about my age. And I don't wrong. I saw a lot of good with Sammy Hippier, but I, prob- I didn't see his early years at Liverpool, for example. Um, of course, seen the entirety of Joe Gomez, seen the entirety of John Matip. Um, but I just think for I, I'd, I'd say for what he did overall and how reliable he was how reliable he was over a long period of time i just think you've got to start sammy hippier in this scenario and yeah i I, to be honest with you i know i sounded like i was talking myself out of it but i've talked myself right back into it so (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah no it's got to be sammy hippier um the other two is actually that is tough when it comes to the other two because Going off the I'd best probably, version. I, I, yeah, going well. off the best version. To be honest with you, given that I'm starting up here in this scenario, it's got to be Bench Matip and Sel Gomez because Joel Matip is one of the best, in Jurgen Klopp's own words, is one of the best free transfers Liverpool have ever made. And the best version of Joel Matip is one of the most underrated central defensive assets in the Premier League over the last X amount of years, last five years or so. I know injuries come into that. But when he is fully fit and fully on it, he, he, he has been brilliant for Liverpool, which is very, very, very harsh on Joe Gomez. But I think we've seen Matip, obviously, more central defence than, than Gomez has been able to command a position there. So, 
a lot of waffling, but a pretty straightforward decision of start Hippier, bench Matip and sell Gomez. Yeah, yeah I'm hoping see. that it's going to be, sorry, Liam, I'm hoping that it's going to be sort of a case of a few um, sort of guilt, guilt-riddled sales in this, basically. Um, I'm hoping that I've, I've done the scenarios in such a way where it is a bit of a, a headache. Um, I'll throw it over to you then, Liam. What do you reckon for that one? Yeah, uh, when you call out the three names, Dave, I mean, I made up my mind straight away, start up, yeah. Um, I must have a few extra years on Chris because I actually can't remember Hopia's entire Liverpool career and <laughs> pretty, he was, like, you know, solid at the start and then grew into, like, by the time of Istanbul was an absolutely, absolute rock of a centre-back. Um, I, I just think, like, imagine peak Sammy and peak Virgil together. Oh, that, that would be one hell of a, of a centre of a centre back pairing. Um as for the other two, yeah, kind of agonised it over a bit while Chris was talking. Um but I'm going to be boring and go along with his selection. I think I would go narrowly Matt like Matt him for the bench and go Mr. Sell because like I like that I think prime Matip you know, for you know, for those like couple of years at the turn of the decade when like probably if we were at their best under Klopp, like Matip there he is there for a good bit of that one and was superb alongside and and also this season has continued to be superb. And um, like Gomez again like very very good defender again has been unlucky with injuries so sometimes gets a bit of a bad rep and well I would all three probably would go with him as as the sell but again it's not a it's not a straightforward between those two as it is to put up yeah as a starter. If you're talking versatility, I think it's Gomez all day long. If you're talking centre-back, mm-hmm. I think it's got to be Matip. Yeah, I, I suppose that is a, a factor as well. I'm going to mix things up a little bit on this one um, and start Joe Gomez, the, the one who both of you sold. And the basis, really? that, the basis for that is, so if we're going off the best version, 2018-19, Joe Gomez is sort of second, I think, to Virgil van Dijk in terms of centre-backs that I've sort of regularly seen at Liverpool before that injury. Liverpool conceded, I think, six goals or something in the first 15 games they played that season um, before Gomez got injured. So they were on pace to be challenging Chelsea's record. And that centre-back partnership was absolutely impenetrable, um, honestly. And I, I kind of mourn the loss of that player multiple times per season. But I just think that because of the kind of stats that that duo had behind them at their absolute best, and Gomez played a big part in that, I would go for Gomez as my starter. I would bench Sammy Hippier, which is controversial because I was, I've not, I'm probably at the opposite end of the scale to you, Liam, in the sense that I didn't sort of, I don't really remember him that much. But, you know, two time PFA team of the year. Carragher ranked him second in his list of Liverpool centre-backs behind Virgil van Dijk. So, we're obviously talking about a, a huge figure here. Um, I just I do think that Gomez could have been sort of a similar level without sort of the injuries that have befallen him. So, that's why I've gone with that, um, which I know is a slightly bold choice. And then I would obviously have to sell Joel Massive, which is horrible in a way because I completely agree with you, Chris. I think during his peak, he, he was one of the most underrated centre-halves around and just very, very rarely put a foot wrong. But in terms of being right in that upper echelon at his best, I do think the absolute best version of Joe Gomez is slightly ahead of the best version of Joel Matip. So that is probably how I would do it. You've got that picture as well after the 2-1 win at Tottenham. 
the start of 2018-19 where Gomez and Van Dijk have their arms around each other and kind of, you know, roaring to the away end. And I get what you mean in terms of what could have been when, when, when you look at that picture. Yeah, and I think that, that partnership was just sort of, uh, probably the photo that summarised it in a way, he just went into games with just complete confidence, especially with having Alisson behind them as well. Um, and so for me, that that is maybe a slightly romantic version of events, but um, and it it is a I recognise quite a um, an out there choice between those three players, but I, I do think there's no harm with some uh, Joe Gomez propaganda um, at times, even if there's a, a lot more critics now than there used to be. Um, let's move it on then to our second scenario. Um, this time, centre midfielders. So I've got Xabi Alonso. Tiago and Javier Mascherano as the three players for this one. Um, I will once again come to you first on this one, Chris. And obviously, I have just sprung it on you, so feel free to sort of talk us through your thought process as you did last time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. I mean, it's even worse. I thought you were going to go to Liam, so I'm just like here chilling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, if Tiago hadn't been so injury prone I think this would be a very very difficult call but in terms of in terms of individual performances his performance against United in the 4-0 was arguably the best midfield display I'd seen live for years I thought he was absolutely phenomenal that night of course United weren't exactly great themselves that evening but he was just everywhere, absolutely everywhere. But I think his Liverpool career has kind of been summed up by certainly missing the EFL Cup final through injury, having been set to start, very nearly missing the um, Champions League final in Paris through injury before eventually playing. And again, we're sat here right now not knowing when Thiago Alcantara's next minute for Liverpool is going to be. And I think we're kind of idling towards him just leaving the club on a free without a whimper next year because I think we're looking we're looking at the midfield now. And is anybody kind of looking at that midfield going it could do with a Tiago? I'm not overly sure. You guys might come back to me and say, hey, Tiago's the missing piece of the puzzle with regards to the, yeah, the, the midfield at the moment. But in terms of his ability, I'd say Tiago's ability is more than Mascherano. Definitely. Definitely. I think you've just got to see what he's done in the game, but let, let, let's get this straight out. Alonso starts. Alonso starts in this three because what he did at Liverpool, what he's done his entire career, again, we're talking about somebody who doesn't really, as much as he should do, get thrown in when talking about the greats. But Xabi Alonso is a great of football. He's not, he's not just you know, your average normal or he was a decent midfielder he is one of the all-time greats let, let let's get that straight and the way that Benitez dealt with his exit was really really poor when you consider he was so brilliant in 2008-9 and then left a year after Liverpool reportedly tried to get rid of him for Gareth Barry Liverpool then tried to replace him with Alberto Aquilani and the less said about that the better really so it's got it's got to be Alonso just because you know Gerard as well says he was the best midfielder he ever played with. Um, 
it, it's difficult in terms of what kind of role because if you're talking like kind of number eight role, it's got to be Thiago over over Mascherano. But again, Mascherano, it, it took Liverpool a long, long time to replace him, mm. and I think it's it's not really appreciated how long it took Liverpool to do so. So again, this might sound like the kind of straightforward, boring choice, but for me, it's got to be start Alonso, bench Mascherano, sell Thiago, just because of what I saw with my own eyes. And Thiago's ability, I'm not debating it whatsoever, but I just think he hasn't had the chance to make the impact at Liverpool everyone kind of envisaged him making. So that's my thought process. And look, as a Mascherano, in terms of that, that midfield three of him, Gerard and Alonso, there comes a there comes a trio, don't they? So yeah, that that's my final decision. Yeah, I honestly like think back and think, you know, it might not have been the peak version of of you know Mascherano, maybe even Alonso. Maybe you could argue that that came at Real Madrid later on, but that midfield three has got to be one of the best midfield threes the Premier League has ever seen. Um, even despite that, um. And you know you, you touched on a couple of points that um, I was looking to, to to make myself really, Chris. I mean, one of them being about Alonso and Aquilani. I read they. Um, I was just <laughs> double checking the price that Alonso was sold for, so I pulled up a, a Guardian article earlier about was it thirty five. It was, it was oh, thirty million according to that one. It was any add-ons or anything like that. Bargain. But, um, so there was, yeah. So there was a report like Alonso's past his medical. Then you scroll down the bottom line. It says. Liverpool plan to replace Sabi Alonso with um, Fiorentina's Alberto Aquilani, um, who will cost about 18 million or something like that. And you just read it, you know, now, however many years later, and just think to yourself, that is one of the most care sentences in the history of Liverpool so, Football Club, honestly. I can't remember what movie it is. It, 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 we've all seen the meme. I think it's Matthew McConaughey looking at, is it his past self or something, leaving a room? Yeah. Interstellar. And he's yeah. shouting, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoever uh, made those transfer decisions, that's them back in 2009. Honestly, like there were some absolutely hideous replacements found for some of Liverpool's best players over the years, honestly. Um, anyway, I've realised that I've kind of written these scenarios out and I've not really thought about my own answer beforehand. So in a way, I've also put myself on the spot, but I'll bring you in now, Liam, on this one. Okay, um, similar to with the centre-backs, I made my start choice straight away and agonised a bit over the other two. So same as Chris, the start, Javi Alonso, what a player, what a player. I mean, I think of the Liverpool players that I witnessed before the Jurgen Klopp era, Javi Alonso was probably my favourite. He was sublime. Like the way he just control the way he controlled the game and he just made it, everything look so simple. Like there was never any frills about him, never any drama. He just got on with it, did what he had to do and did it impeccably. Um I mean it's no coincidence when you know when we sold him, we went from second to seventh in the space of a year. Um yeah, easy decision. Um, in terms of the other two, what I think I prefer Thiago as a player to Mascherano. I mean, I am mindful of the, you know, the, the remit we were given to judge them on their Liverpool careers. And with that in mind, I would probably go with Benji Mascherano and though it pays me to say it's selling Thiago. Like Mascherano, even though he I felt like giving him a slap that day when he got sent off at Old Trafford in 2008. I mean, by and large, and again, he was just such a brilliant operator, expert in what he did. Thiago, 
technically a majestic player. I mean, as Chris rightly referenced, that performance against Man United two seasons ago was one of the best I've seen in a Liverpool shirt. But again, probably we got him past his prime. And as I say, just just a few too many injuries, sadly, which is an awful shame because, my goodness, like he is, again, just an absolutely majestic player to watch. So, yeah, I mean, start Alonso at 100%. And then I very narrowly go with Bench Mascherano and Santiago. I think it's interesting now that you mention it. I mean, we probably got a slightly pre-peak version of Mascherano and a post-peak version of Thiago. So it's essentially which of those two are you going to favour? I would also start Alonso. I think, you know, Chris, you said earlier, um, 30 million in 2009. Sounds like a bargain now, but... At the same time, like that was like a you know proper premium price tag um at that stage. So I was sort of thinking to myself, what kind of value would he be now if he'd made that move? And thirty million two thousand nine is probably about sort of eighty million now, something like that. I mean, it's it's obviously a huge amount of inflation. That was the same summer that Ronaldo went to uh, Real Madrid, I think. Yeah. So because the Real had this huge transfer window, so that was probably one of the deals that set the inflation in motion. And then you have um, obviously Neymar a few years later and things like that. So I think he would be a lot more now. And that just shows you, I mean, you got Real Madrid coming knocking for your midfielder um, for, for that kind of price tag. I think it, it shows you that he, he is number one on the list. Um, I've benched Thiago just on the basis that if we're talking about the absolute best version, I think he still is, you know, even the one we've had at Liverpool, even if it, Hasn't been obviously as good for him as it was at Bayern. I think that that version of Liverpool is still absolutely world class. Mascherano, it is, it's it's tough to bench him because I think I completely agree with you, Chris. I mean, it's been you know nearly like a decade and a half since he left, and there's been one sort of top defensive midfielder in that period at Liverpool. It's so hard to almost come across that kind of you know solution in that position and. Um, I think obviously everyone was delighted when Fabinho came in because it and you know it filled the hole uh, and that just shows the sort of presence that he had um, at Liverpool really. So yeah, I think a tough one because you you're kind of comparing two players who are you know pure quality. I think with someone in Mascherano who's a little bit sort of different side of his game, but also ended up obviously playing for Barcelona. So you know three players who've been right at the top of the game. But I think I would just lean Thiago over Mascherano. Um, so in the first two, I think obviously from from both of you, we've had clear cut first choices. I'm intrigued to see whether that lasts into into this next scenario, which is going to be about wide players. Liam, I'm going to bring you in first on this one to give Chris a little bit of a reprieve in the interest of fairness. <laughs> so the three players I've got for this are Raheem Sterling, Diogo Jota, and Dirk Kaut. So I'll I'll throw it straight over to you for your initial thoughts on that one, and then your uh, and your, your decision at the end. Oh. Well, this one is absolutely not as clear-cut as the as the first two categories, and it's probably going to require me to like this battle of head versus heart. Um, it would require a waffle. <laughs> Give me some thinking time. <laughs> it, required, it required probably it's going to be the case of like me saying something and then in the middle of saying it, realizing oh bugger, I think I might actually want to retra- retract that. Um, Ooh. This is tough. This is an absolute nightmare. Um, I'm going to go start Jota primarily because he has that match-winning ability about him. 
Like he could be what he could be a player that you look at in a game thinking, God mighty, what has he done? Like he's you know, he's not involved at all. Um or they like somebody might need to be starting, but if he's on the pitch and the the result is in the balance, he is someone I trust to you know, come up with the moment which turns a frustrating result into a jubilant one. Um, so that's probably why I'll go with him. I think I would go Kite as my bench option because, again, I know he probably was one of those. He wasn't, he got derived, I think, a lot for like not being very fashionable. And you know, he wasn't, he, he never had that same kind of, I was going to put to enjoy the fever that maybe like a Fernando Torres had or like a, a Suarez or a Coutinho or whoever. But I think any of who kind of watched him in that period would, would know that you know, he was someone who. Like I mean, if he get if he get ninety nine percent, he was having an off day. Like just so committed, and again, probably gets forgotten about that he did come up with some some fairly big goals in that time. I think he scored in two derbies, and of course we all remember the the tap in hat trick against Man United. Um, but even spread I mean, his first, I even remember his first season at Liverpool, he was magnificent. Like I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but I think he got quite a few that season. It was the year before Torres came in, um. And then probably a go Sterling to to sell, um, was again was magnificent along with Sturridge and Suarez in that thirteen fourteen season, um. But again, we probably didn't really get the best of him, um. And again, they went and then didn't really quite. I think fourteen fifteen was an opportunity for him to mm. always kick on when Suarez left, and she never quite took it. So um. Yeah, that's probably why we're going to sell him out of out of those three again. If we're taking him on their their Liverpool careers, um, I'd go start Jota, bench Kite, sell Sterling. I think this one of sort of the, the three we've had so far, you've basically got players from from different eras because you know you've got yeah. sort of Cout from kind of before 2010, really. Obviously, a little bit after Sterling's kind of the midpoint of that decade before he leaves, and then. Obviously, Jota is a more recent and current player. Um, so I think that kind of factors into the calculation a little bit because Jota has played in the best teams. Kout and Sterling have kind of... There's been variation there. They've played in some great Liverpool teams, but they've also played in some really bad Liverpool teams as well. So I, I guess you've got to give them maybe a little bit more credit for that. I mean, what do you think on this one, Chris? This is very interesting. Very, very interesting. What I've tried to do with my thought process for this is take any sort of enjoyment of watching these players and really narrow it down purely from a wide player's basis, as you've alluded to. And genuinely, of the three players here, the most natural wide player is Raheem Sterling, I think. And in 13-14, you know, uh, I think we've got we've got to also appreciate Raheem Sterling really kind of started to make his name at Liverpool at an extremely young age. So this Raheem Sterling at Liverpool was 1,000% pre-peak Raheem Sterling. Mm-hmm. But what a pre-peak that was at times. You know, his end to 13-14, that goal against City, I think it was said in commentary at the time, maturity beyond his years. 
to take the ball as he did, square up Joe Hart and a defender, and send them both off to the Kenny Dalglish stand before whipping it into the corner. And I think ultimately it, it, it it's a funny one as well because Raheem Sterling, um, in terms of what you know, if if, if we are talking about impacts. There was no trophy for Raheem Sterling at Liverpool, which again you, you you can maybe label at him, throw in a little bit. Can you tell that I'm trying to make try? Can you tell I'm trying to make a final decision here? <laughs> oh, I just because I, I just feel I feel like it's controversial, but of the three that I would want on the wing, I've I've got to go. I've got to go Sterling. Because I feel like Jota and Cout did their best work, kind of an inside or do like Jota does his best work, Cout did his best work, kind of on an inside channel kind of thing, and th- th- this this is going this is going to be very painful to say, but I would genuinely start Sterling because of how exciting he was, how pa- how fast he was, how how we made defenders just terrified of him, um, even at Liverpool. I'd bench Jota and sell Kout, and that is a very, very difficult thing to say. But again, I'm just I'm thinking of the highest quality individual of mm. the three, and I think Jota, look, his reliability is insane. Of course, Kout always did a job, but towards the end of his time at Liverpool, there was a rather steep decline. Mm. I think. Um, I remember in his final year, it took him. I think it was by one goal or 15 in the league for Liverpool, and it took him absolutely ages to get it. But then, obviously, scores in the EFL Cup final or the Carling Cup final, as it was back then. So it's very, very difficult to say these things, but you've got to throw a bit of controversy in there, haven't we? I just think if you're talking about a natural wide player, Raheem Sterling, Bench Jota, just because he can come on and make a big impact. And I can't believe I'm actually saying so. Dirk Cout, but he's in his forties now. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he won't mind in terms of he could get the Liverpool team right now. But yeah, that, that that that's a that's a really tough one. That yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that I thought of that one then. Um, you you um suggesting that we start Sterling despite his um Chelsea and Man City allegiances is it is going to be a clip on Twitter. Rest assured. Um, oh, great. But um, no, genuinely, I think um Sterling for me is probably. Um, between the two, just because I think again we didn't really see the absolute best version of him. Um, it's not even it's not actually just t- tainted for me by what happened afterwards. Um, like even looking at it now, I just think that I agree with you, kind of Liam as well. I remember that fourteen fifteen season just being a little bit disappointed, and I know that was probably not the best season to be judging someone because it was one of those years that we've had a, a couple of times where there's been a big title push and then it's failed and then the next season's been really poor. So another way to judge him on that, but I just felt a little bit underwhelmed by that and that kind of being the last memory of Sterling probably tainted it a little bit for me, but I would still, you know, bench him rather than sell him. I'd, I'd start Jota just because I think that there are definitely, and I think you alluded to this, Liam, questions about his kind of performance levels um, sometimes, um, but the output is just, you know, Brilliant. I think he's kind of second only to Salah, really, in the current attack. I mean, he's he started 78 games for Liverpool. He scored 45 goals and got 17 assists. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, the, the rate of kind of supply there is pretty much too hard to overlook. 
And then, yeah, I think with regret, I would probably sell their cows as well. Um, I kind of resent the the idea of just painting them as, you know, a cult hero, workhorse type figure. I mean, 71 goals, 43 assists, 285 appearances of Liverpool. Those are all very good numbers. Big game player as well. I just think there's no shame in kind of being sold when you compare to two players of, of kind of the stature of Sterling and, and Jota. Um, so ultimately, on a question of quality, I think those two probably um, just edge it over him. Um, but again, I think that, that one was very competitive. And uh, we'll move on now to, we've got a couple of sort of striker scenarios slash like um, predominant goal scorers, let's say. Um, I want to save the hardest one potentially till last. So I'm going to throw this one um, in now. I'll come back to you on this, Chris. Uh, Fernando Torres, Roberto Firmino, Daniel Sturridge. And remember, it's the peak version at Liverpool and start bench cell. Wow. 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 I mean, <laughs> the way you've been talking, I knew Torres was going to be involved in one of them. But I thought he was going to be up against Suarez. Hmm. And I was about, I had like a whole monologue ready in my head. <laughs> um, oh, oh my word. Well, first off, I'm starting Roberto Firmino because I can't not start someone that has done everything in a Liverpool shirt, someone that has won everything in a Liverpool shirt. And if we talk about footballers that excite people, Firmino excited people in a different way to the likes of Torres or Sturridge would excite people because his football brain was thinking about five seconds ahead of everybody in the stadium, never mind just the people on the pitch. So, again, I, we've, we've done podcasts on Roberto Firmino before. Um, I'll probably just re- be repeating everything that I say about him. Just absolutely phenomenal. You can't say from his first day in Liverpool shirt because it did take him a bit of time to warm up to it. But once Jurgen Klopp really started to get the best out of him. The man's a bona fide Liverpool legend. So he has to be starting. The other two, it is... It feels like it should be straightforward, but the other time it isn't. Because I saw a tweet yesterday that was talking about if you could make one player injury-free from their career, who would it be? And the fellow was, I think, was a West Ham fan. He would have made Lanzini injury-free. And I saw a reply to it saying that they would have made Daniel Sturridge injury-free mm. because it's been it's been a fairly firm opinion in my head. I was talking about Suarez then that if Liverpool had won the Premier League in 2013-14, I mean, it still was one of the all-time great Premier League seasons from Luis Suarez, but probably he would have dragged the team to the title. And that almost does a bit of a disservice to Daniel Sturridge thinking about it because it was 21 goals that season. And I think it was seven in a row at one point. And there were even some injuries in that as well. Daniel Sturridge, you know, he was only 12 million pounds. Such a bargain, such a natural forward. And he is an ultimate case of what could have been. He really is. And even in the final season, you know, he scored a crucial goal against PSG. He had some big moments, but you know, the wonder goal against Chelsea, I think the pace just kind of went towards the end. But Fernand- and Fernando Torres is someone that I think for young Liverpool fans, of, well, I say young Liverpool fans, like mid, mid to late 20s, he's someone that made you fall in love with the game. Hmm. He really is. 
you know, in the, you know, in the risk signing like football, Twitter, once you saw that headband and long sleeves, then you knew, <laughs> you knew it was game over from a defender's point of view. Mm. Um, but, and this is going to sound ironic based off what I was just talking about with Sterling. But again, does the way that Swat, does the way that Torres left leave a bit of a bitter taste? If we come on to Suarez, and I don't know if you have Suarez down, again, you could argue in terms of a bit of taste with the way he left for Barcelona because there was a bit of a bitter taste. Very much so. Um, but, I, I'm yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out. Start Roberto Firmino. I am benching Daniel Sturridge and I am actually selling Fernando oh. Torres because, again, Sturridge has at least... A tro- trophy-winning contribution to Liverpool, hmm. and unfortunately, in Fernando Torres' time, and I know that that team should have won something, but ultimately it didn't. And while Torres was just incredible, I think it was 81 goals in 140 games, something like that. Hmm. But again, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm sticking with that, and that is that is that's a tough one to say, but I'm sticking with that. I'm absolutely reeling from from that one. Um, Liam, I'll throw it straight over to you because I need a moment to compose myself. Uh, <laughs> I think this might be my moment where I had the, the pitchfork-wielding mob come with me <laughs> with my choices. Um, when it comes more to... More controversial than me? <laughs> um, I think it's more like that when looking at looking at legacies more than anything um, with this one. But I'm going to start Fernando Torres. Because Ooh. my goodness, in his prime, like that, that in like those first two years, like uh, at, at the time we signed him, I was like, oh my god, we're actually getting him, like because I, I thought he was destined for like a Man United or Real Madrid, even Arsenal at the time would have been more, um, would have been like more likely to splash out than than we would have been. So I was beside myself with when we got him, and as I say straight away like from that first goal against Chelsea I was looking at him saying oh my goodness we are going places with this guy he was an absolute joy to watch um, and yeah I think obviously we were all heartbroken when, when he went to Chelsea when he went to Chelsea in the manner of it and and all that but you know I still I would still look beyond that just because of how much I loved him at Liverpool hmm. so I'm going to start him and Again, while I know this will probably draw derision from a lot of listeners, I nearly go with him over Bobby Firmino. Um, again, like Bobby, absolute legend of a man. You know, rarely had a rarely had a bad game. Like was such so selfless in that iconic front three and um, with the work he did off the ball. But again, let's not forget. I mean, he got his fair share of goals as well. I think he was twenty seven or something in that that first season with us. So I mean, he was. Or not his first, but his first season with Salah Mane. I mean, yeah, he was, um, you know, like he was well able to post him as well, and you know, and some of some of them were were incredibly incredibly stylish while he was at it as well. So again, it was a bit, it was agonised over to choose between those two a bit, um, but I go with Firmino for the bench, and again, while his thirteen fourteen storage was outstanding and probably a little bit overlooked in the context of Suarez in that same season, as Chris rightly pointed out, um, I still feel that peak storage was probably just that little bit beneath the other two at their, at their peak. So I probably would go with storage to sell Firmino for the bench and start Torres. Yeah, I mean, first things first, I would also uh, sell storage. Um, I think 
I, I did absolutely love him um, throughout his time at Liverpool. Really, I was sort of pulling for him. I think even when a lot of other people had kind of given up a little bit. Um, and obviously that season there, I mean, what a phenomenal partnership he had um, with Suarez that year. And it was just, you know, completely fluid. It, it was it was absolutely brilliant. But um, I do think that if we're talking about Fernando Torres versus Daniel Sturridge and Firmino versus Sturridge, I think he just falls just a little bit short. Um, and then obviously there's a choice between Torres and Firmino. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's Torres to start. Um, largely because if the nine-year-old version of me caught wind of what was happening with this uh, and I hadn't started Fernando Torres, then I think he'd be putting a curse on me, to be honest, because you absolutely nailed it, Chris, when you said that he was the player who made so many Liverpool fans like fall in love with with football, basically. Um, I had Torres, Torres 9 on the back of so many different kits, and I, like you were saying as well, Liam, I think he is just like, was a complete joy to watch in his style. You know, you've got some strikers who score a lot of goals, but it's not pretty really. Like they're more kind of robotic sometimes. But Torres, I mean, you just have kind of all these goals playing um, in your head on loop. I mean, the one that I probably look back to most fondly is I think the one against Blackburn, where he's sort of at this outrageous angle and um, I think he sort of half volleys it in or maybe he takes it fully on the volley. But kind of the quintessential Torres one is sort of him like peeling in off the left channel. Um, he either leaves the defender behind for pace or, I mean, he had he was so skillful as well. Like he, he could just beat that last defender. And then the composure in his finishes as well, you know, the way he was able to just stroke the ball into the corner, like kind of aesthetically, I don't think we see strikers like Torres anymore. And I know some people have said that there's comparisons with Nunez, but Nunez doesn't have the, the grace that, that Torres had. I think that was one of the reasons why he was so kind of, he captured the heart of so many fans. And obviously, like you said, Chris, you know, he, he's a very divisive figure because not only did he leave, but he left for another Premier League club. But I think what helps him in these kind of discussions is it didn't actually go well for him when he left. You know, it went sharply downhill. I think if, he, if he'd if he been there, you know, winning, you know, Premier Leagues for Chelsea by scoring 25 goals, then it's maybe a different discussion. But I think it's sort of... It, takes away the impact a little bit given how much he struggled you, you got to the point where you're probably feeling a little bit sorry for him eventually I mean another thing with Torres is you know you, you mentioned is he going to be put alongside Suarez and things like that and I know he left but the sort of the way it ended at Liverpool I mean he, he kind of had like two really good seasons and then he dropped off a bit I don't think he's necessarily in the absolute top tier for that reason but when he was in his peak, I think he was just one of the best strikers in the world, really. Um, and then I would obviously Ben Triberto Firmino, which um, you know is, is a little bit tough to do. But you know, just on the basis that I think Firmino for a time was my favourite player within kind of the Klopp side, and that seventeen eighteen version was absolutely outstanding. I think, like you mentioned, Liam, with, with those twenty seven goals, I think he got a boatload of assists as well. Um, I just think that in terms of maybe standing within the game at his absolute best. Torres just about takes it. But um, we're talking about two absolutely phenomenal footballers, obviously. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the final scenario then. I think with this one, maybe I'll be wrong, but it kind of feels a little bit like it's going to be more of a head-to-head between two players. And then the last one might be a unanimous sell, but we'll see what happens. So you've already kind of half-predicted it, Chris. Mohamed Salah, Luis Suarez and Sadio Mane. 
is is the three players. Um, and I'll have to stop it. <laughs> well, I had to save this one till last. You can see why now. Um, I'll come to you first on this one, Liam. Just so I think Chris has been sort of th- thrown in at the deep end a little bit too much so far. So I'll come to you first. Okay, so start Mohamed Salah. He is like I would like to think I have a fairly deep lexicon in terms of being able to come up with you know, with words to describe various players, but I think I've emptied that particular tank as far as Mo Salah is concerned. Like we are genuinely in the presence of greatness. Like fifth highest scorer of all time would probably note himself even higher up that list if the Saudis would ever do a run and jump um, and stop trying to lure him like the, like the witch and Hassan and Gretel. Um, yeah, I think Mohamed Salah is, is just incredible there. And he's just consistency personified. And that's an absolute joy to watch. Um, just er- everything about him is just, uh, he is definitely my favourite food player of you know, since I've been supporting the club. And um, and deserves to be mentioned in the like the all-time discussions. So definitely, he's definitely the starter. It's harder between the other two. Um, and again, I think this might actually be the most contentious one. But I'm going to bench Sadio Mane. Um, because I think, it again, it like storage of Suarez, I think it's a little bit forgotten like, just how good Mane was. At Liverpool, because he had Salah alongside him for most of that period, and even right from the get go, in this first season, it was before Salah came in, like Mane was still, you know, still quite prolific, and then he went up another level after after Salah came in, and again, it just fit into that front three so well, um, and even though, again, like with Torres, like we, like his career did go downhill after he left Liverpool, but I still think we missed him. At times, that a player like him at times that season. So, um, yeah, I think I got it. And again, this is going to be a kind of controversial. Where I would actually probably sell Suarez, um, which is very hard to do because we all remember how phenomenal he was in that thirteen fourteen season. Not just not just the numbers, like, but just his whole play. Uh, he is an absolute nightmare for. Or defenders, I mean, those. I mean, I that the game against against Norwich the 5 1 when he scored the four goals, and like that. I mean, everyone talked about his often 35 yards, but uh, the one he got where he looped the ball over there right for it hit it on the half volley has to be one of the <laughs> one of the peak goal best goals ever scored by the foot player in the Premier League. Um, but again, I think I'm probably sort of maybe deviating a little bit from the point the whole premise point of this discussion is saying that I am letting what though a couple of incidents cloud my judgment of him perhaps. Um of course there was the one at the the incident with Ivanovic in twenty thirteen mm. and probably the one with Chiellini just before he he left Liverpool. He actually by the time by that time he'd actually already played his last game for us even though we didn't know what at the time. Um so yeah so start that I think that was a choice straight away. Um, bench man and again pains me to say it but probably I would sell as far as up the tree So my prediction of Mane potentially being a unanimous sell straight out the window on that one then um, Chris, <laughs> where, where, where do you stand on this one then? Mm, this is tough but I agree with Liam in that 
I I see only one starter, and that's Mo Salah, because in my all-time Liverpool eleven, I start Mo Salah on mm. the right wing. Um, I have finally got an Indian fantasy team, and they captained him against Brighton. So that's a lovely 30-point haul and got me into the top million. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Mo, while uh, the rest of the world captained Erling Braut Haaland. So, I captained real, who is, against Lucy. Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's painful. I had had an Ireland. I switched him prior to this game week as I thought Sandler probably more score is Brighton than Haddonwood against Arsenal. And for once, yeah. they actually got it right. <laughs> oh, lovely. That is... Uh, that, XG XG was killed you because Spurs had a great XG before Basuma got sent off. Anyway, wow. <laughs> I digress. Um, what could we say about Salah that hasn't already been said, even by Liam just then? Um, phenomenal, all-time Liverpool great, continues to be an all-time Liverpool great. Um, far, you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here in an attempt to criticise Eden Hazard, but he's just retired at the age of 32. Salah is not far off 32, and he's still not even breaking sweat in terms of breaking Premier League records and extending his own records. And you know, when you talk about Eden Hazard versus Mo Salah, I don't even think it's a debate. And Eden Hazard, look, phenomenal, absolutely incredible. I've seen him live. The ball was glued to his feet, and he scored. You know, he's got two amazing goals at Anfield that I was there for, and I can't give enough credit for that. But Salah, 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 all day long. I might, I might have to hypocritical, or I might have to be a bit hypocritical in terms of my discussion for the other two, just briefly, because I know everything I said about Torres and him leaving, the way he left, and I did kind of allude to it earlier in terms of Suarez. But Luis Suarez, in his prime, was the best forward on the planet. And I'm not I'm I'm not budging on that. Um I know you could you know you throw in like Ronaldo and Messi at the time as well. And they were in a league of their own. So I'm not even classing them as forwards, I'm classing them as aliens. Hmm. So um Suarez for me was the best natural striker on the planet. Hmm. He did everything himself, and that's the thing. He didn't need people to set him up, he did everything himself. His first half season for Liverpool he got four goals. Second season after that, it was 17, so it was full season. And then I think it was back-to-back 30s, if I've got the amount of years he was at Liverpool correct right there. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it was, he was just absolutely outstanding, Luis Suarez. And he was outstanding in a Liverpool team that weren't that great, it has to be said. Because that that season, 2013-14, one of the all-time great solo Premier League seasons. Mm. But I've already said enough things I think I regret. So I'm going to play it immensely safe. Mm. And I'm going to bench Sadio Mane and sell Luis Suarez. Because Sadio Mane, again, he's a Liverpool legend. You know, what, what he did, the way that he did move up to that next level, but also... There's a very valid argument to say he's the most important signing on the Jurgen Klopp. Hmm. And I think that's what sways it for me. Because the Liverpool that has achieved what's achieved over the last, uh, to get my maths right, eight years under Jurgen Klopp, I'm not sure how much of it would have been possible without Sadio Mane. So, yeah. Sadio Mane on the bench, 
Luis Suarez for all his undoubted ability is being sold. Well, I'm going to start with Mane. Um, I think my favourite version of him might actually be his first season because, you know, in 2019, he was obviously, you know, absolutely unbelievable. Um, arguably Liverpool's best player in that stretch when Liverpool probably out there very best. But that 16-17 version won games on his own. I think the one that stands out is the one against Tottenham. Um, I think yeah. he wasn't long back after the Africa Cup of Nations. I want to say he scored two in very quick succession. In the first and, half, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it, that just epitomised the fact that he was so explosive and would literally just kind of, you know, if it felt like he could just do anything that he wanted to when, when he was on his game, like he was completely unplayable, like in terms of not only scoring goals, but when he was at his best, the nightmares that he would give, like his, his fullback, it felt like every time he was at, he could get it, he could just manipulate them in whatever way he wanted, to be honest. And he had this this sort of gravity about him um, in probably between that first season and um, sort of that 2019 year, um, which I think needs to kind of be acknowledged, even if I am going to be obviously selling him, as I alluded to earlier. But was something else you wanted to say, that could say there, Chris? Well, just... You mentioned that Tottenham game. The month before, that January, has to go down as one of the worst months under Jurgen Klopp. And it coincided with no Sadio Mane. Yeah. And it was one win in 10 games, if I remember rightly, that we had. Um, and we were so reliant on Mane then to, to put us back in the Champions League. And then obviously the following season, we we go on to reach the final. So I think, like like you say, Chris, in terms of impact, he's right up there. I just think that in terms of when it comes down to it, the very finest margins, he does still fall short compared to Salah and Suarez. Um, while you two have been talking, I've been thinking of how I'm going to justify benching Mohamed Salah of the two. Um, Say, and, what? <laughs> and Say what? The reason is, like, I think it's so close. It's so close between the two of them. But I think Salah... This version that we have now is basically a machine. Like, he will literally, we've said it countless times, sometimes we don't even talk about someone here when he scores. We did the post-Brighton episode the other day. We got half an hour in before we mentioned that he scored twice. He's just completely inevitable. Like, he manages to sort of get a goal or get an assist every single game. It doesn't matter how well he's playing. Um, and his output and his consistency put him right up there with the best players who've ever played in the Premier League. I think Salah versus Suarez is basically fire and ice. Um, and that kind of sums up the two kind of footballing characters that you see on the pitch. Certainly the version of Salah now is literally just like properly clinical and assassin type thing. But I think Suarez, <laughs> Suarez has the streets out of the two of them, I think. Um, more so in terms of his kind of Premier League legacy. Just because, and it is so hard to kind of pin it down, but I think there was something that was ever so slightly more kind of spectacular and poetic about Suarez, the footballer. Um, I, I don't know, I can't remember which one of you who, who said it, but I thought it was a really good point in terms of it felt like he could do it on his own. And don't get me wrong, we've seen Salah, you know, against Tottenham, against Watford, against Man City, there's probably a couple of others as well, basically beat whole defences by himself. 
but that version of Suarez, 13, 14, m- most of all. And don't get me wrong, every time we talk about Suarez, that's to be the caveat. We're talking solely about what we saw on the pitch here. Um, I think there's obviously big things that taint his, his football and status aside from that. But the player himself, he was just, cons- it felt like he was consistently, you know, doing it on his own. To, to use that expression again, it felt like he was dragging the team. And Salah can do that as well. He did it last season. He did it in 2021 when we had all the injuries. But in terms of one man almost single-handedly creating a title challenge with a squad that was pretty average, to be honest. I mean, if you'd put, you know, and I don't want to say necessarily taking Suarez out because that obviously changed things a lot. But if you put kind of just a, a decent Premier League striker in there instead, I mean, where does that team finish? Does that team get Champions League? Maybe, because obviously you've still got, you know, Gerard, Sterling, storage players like that in there. But yeah, I think in the 0.1%, I think Suarez just about takes it, um, which is mad because the peak Mohamed Salah scored 44 goals and got 16 assists, something like that in all compositions. So he can't do, he literally can't do any more. And I don't know if that is just a nostalgia-driven thing for me, but I think of the two of them, I would lean ever so slightly towards Luis Suarez. But that is an opinion that could easily kind of change like from one week to the next, I think. I think maybe the fact that we're in the midst of an international break, I've not seen Mohamed Salah play for a few days, maybe he's tainted <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I think we've had um, a decent amount of uh, disagreements on this, actually. It's not it's certainly not all been uniform. There was anywhere we all went for the same ones, um, but we will leave it there for this episode. We've done our five scenarios now. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a five star review. Um, we'll be back next week with another um, slightly off piste episode with it being the international break, and then obviously Liverpool returning to action for the Merseyside derby. So we'll have that covered as well. And remember to follow the podcast and press notification button so it appears in your feed and you get a message every time we post a new episode. But yeah. Until the next one, take care.